0: our partners.
1: Advanced Elevator Company have the very best trained professional field technicians and project management team for installations, troubleshooting, and repair of elevators in the entire Midwest. Centrally located with world headquarters in the heart of Owasso, Michigan, the Jankas are longtime huge supporters of the Corona Public Schools and, might I add, just local legends in general. Advanced Elevator Company, area business leaders, and a longtime member of the Shiawassee Regional Chamber of Commerce.
2: hail to the victors valiant big 10 champs and how sweet it is welcome to episode 195 of the three-point podcast our championship squad includes advanced elevator the ALS Association Kendall drugs rivals tap house and grill Nelson house funeral homes Sheridan an auction service success group mortgage and servicing and Z 925 the castle I've been the Sportsnet Michigan podcast recording studio today down in the dungeon in my man cave but boys <laughs> we got a lot to get into because it was quite a saturday night it's actually been quite a two weeks but uh, the boys came to play didn't they
3: yeah they came to play and i think like i don't know what you guys think we're going to i mean we're going to get all into this this game last night this just incredible win for michigan but i got the vibe that like they you know they completely punched iowa in the mouth they came out with some awesome plays. Obviously, the halfback pass by Donovan Edwards. Who knew that he could just drop a dime like that? <laughs> really? Um, obviously, the quorum run <laughs> with McCarthy running all the way downfield, throwing blocks. And so they just they absolutely came out swinging, came out swinging. Yep. And then it almost felt like, I mean, they're, you know, was still stuck around. I was still like a solid team. They stuck around, but it almost felt like the coaching staff before the game for for Michigan said if we get up on these guys we're gonna win like if we just get up two scores if we get up 17 to 3 21 you know something like that we're gonna win this game so let's just let's come out swinging get this early lead and then just basically not lose and that's just the vibe I got and then in the second half obviously they,
1: they blew the doors
3: off but yeah. And it was, it was just incredible to watch. Such an awesome game.
1: It was awesome. It's everything we ever dreamed of and, and more. Um, we got a whole lot, lot to get into with that. But real quick, I want to throw this out to you guys. Something that really sort of struck a chord with me yesterday, last night. Uh, we were watching the game, I was at a watch party uh, with, with some older people. Um, and there, we, were, we got to talking, and this girl asked me, you, you know, somebody that I used to work with and had came back, it was like an old, you know, work party. To just to get together, that I happened to go to. She asked me, Hey, like, what's it like coming back to, you know, Wasso Corona? Like, do you hate it here? And I, 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 and people, I see this all the time. I think about it all the time. And basically, all I said was, No, I love it here. You know, maybe there's not as many restaurants or this or that, but I love the people. And this old guy who hadn't said a word the whole night, you know, probably 70 years old. All of a sudden, like, walks over to me. To be honest, was kind of, like, scaring me the way he was, like, walking over. And he just puts his hand out like a fist. And he says, you know what? We need more young kids like you. I I see way too much how much people hate this place and act like, you know, they're way too good for it. And this or that. And we kept talking. And this was actually before he came up and gave me the fist pound. But basically what I said was, if I could move, you know, the people of Shiawassee County to somewhere like Hawaii or something, you know, that's my dream. That's my dream setup you know there, we don't have everything that there is to offer at a place you know like a los angeles or california or, or something like that but i do love the people now i'm not saying the people are perfect here you know obviously there are some right. underlying you know racism probably like in any place that's majority white uh and where we grow up and you know there's some drug problems and there's some bad areas but all in all i i just love this area and something about the way that guy just felt like so touched by me saying that i yeah. just had to ask it to somebody like ted i mean you've lived here your whole life do you do you get bothered by kids who, you know, you probably see it on social media all the time on Twitter and places like that. What is your thought on that?
2: Well, first of all, this definitely took a philosophical turn that I wasn't expecting. <laughs> but uh, but you're right. Yeah, Clearly, Jared, Jared needed to get this off his chest, and I'm glad he did. It's a good conversation. It's a good topic, and you're right. I've, I've been in the area my entire life. I've also been fortunate enough to uh, have a career and a job which uh, allowed me to travel to different places. And And I think you're dead on. I mean, you know, the Midwest in general, I think, has the right Overall, family values, and specifically in our area, you know, yeah, we do have problems like anywhere else, but I think the people generally are good people, good down-to-earth people, and, you know, you're not dealing with a lot of nonsense. You know, I don't know if I told you guys this, but down the road when I uh, do my snowbirding. You know, I was talking to a couple different people where to go if I decided to go into Florida. And I said, well, I don't really know. I haven't really decided. And the and the guy that I was talking to said, you want to go on the west side? And I said, oh, is that right? Why is that? He said, because that's where all the Midwesterners go. On the east side, yep. that's where all the New Englanders and New York people go. And it's a, it's a different yep. vibe, different attitude. And I don't want to just diss those people, but it is different than what we're used to, all three of us. Mm-hmm no it, it is and i mean speaking of that
3: right there new englanders when i moved to connecticut to work at espn i lived there for five years i think that's a, a good enough sample size to get a, a good you know bearing on on living in an area it was honestly it was a shock it was a culture shock i mean i moved from corona over to basically grand rapids you know to go to um grand valley and then i lived there after i graduated but you know i mean jared you know too like the west side of michigan is pretty similar to mid-Michigan, like Shiawassee County, right. yeah, I mean, obviously Grand Rapids bigger city, but, like, as far as the family stuff and everything you're talking about, Ted, pretty similar. Only an hour and a half away from from Corona, right. so not that bad. So then I, then I moved 13 hours to New England, to Connecticut, and what you're talking about, Ted, the, the New Yorkers, the people from Boston, Connecticut, just New England in general, it was definitely a culture shock. It's very different right. up there, a different way of life, different pace of life. People just aren't as friendly because they're just in their zone you know, they're trying to get here and there to Boston to New York or whatever. And it it was, I mean, I'm not saying like, I couldn't handle it. It was just like, wow, this is very different than Michigan. And then I come down here to North Carolina and it's the, the South and the Midwest are pretty similar. Obviously there, there are some very big differences, but as far as that, those family values, um, being a little more down to earth, you know, being a little more like wanting to stay in your hometown, that kind of mindset is very similar. And, uh, so I, living down here is a little more. It reminds me a lot of Shiawassee County or you know Mid Michigan, but um, the big difference is, I mean Charlotte obviously is a very big thriving city, is, is a big difference. But no, I, I tell people all the time that you know if if the job was there, I would one hundred percent move. If, I would one hundred percent move back and you know go go back to my hometown because there there is something special about. It. Obviously we love it there, but it, there, there's something special about uh, especially Corona, but you know Mid Michigan
1: yeah and i this is a realization i sort of came to you know not not too long ago maybe a month or two ago uh for, the, for all my life i always thought you know i, I want to get the hell out of this like state i want to go somewhere where it's warm year round i want to go to arizona i want to go to california i want to go somewhere here or there you know I, I went to arizona in you know the heart of the summer and i realized man it's like 120 (laughs) degrees here. this is kind of horrible and then i sort of you know as soon as i moved to valley or moved to detroit area and i was working at valley i sort of realized man the state of michigan really has whatever you're looking for you travel at three hours any which direction you're going to find it you know we have waterfront properties we have the lakes we have you know college towns like ann arbor or, or, or east lansing we have the big cities you know, like kind of the more like New York, kind of more that type of route with Grand Rapids. We have the classic, you know, just huge city like Detroit. You have the farmland. You mm-hmm. have the beautiful up north that's almost like an Oregon uh, in the UP and that whole area. I don't know about you guys, but, Ted, I know you're talking about kind of like when as soon as you basically as quick as you can, you're getting out of here. And I'm just thinking, man what more do you want than what is within three hours?
2: (laughs) No, I'm not getting out of here. I'm just going to go get warm for a couple of months. That's all. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
3: That's the one thing. Like, even though I say like, I, I, you know, if the job was there, I would move back. I, I do mean that. I mean, my wife and I, we still talk about like at some point, if, if we're going to move back to Michigan, but the, the weather part, you know, yes, Jared, you're spot on. You, you get it all in Michigan. You get all four seasons. You do get a legit summer. It's funny how, you know, have, having lived away in different states for, for over 10 years now, a lot of people who have never been to Michigan, they just think it's always cold. Right. It's always cold. Always winter in Michigan, and I'm like, no, actually, like, summer in Michigan is one of the best summers yeah. that you can experience, because, like you said, Jared, the humidity in the south sometimes gets out of control in the summer, but, you know, it, it, it is very nice down here. I will say that. Like, yeah, I'm not saying, like, we're trying to run back to Michigan, but I am very very proud of Michigan I love it back there, but, like you talking about your experience, you know, at your watch party, uh, my wife and I, we, we talk about all the time, we, we love to go to the beach. And we went to the beach this weekend to do some, like, there were some Christmas events and, you know, some different stuff going on that we wanted to do. And then obviously wanted to get back to the hotel to watch the game. And I tell my wife all the time that that, that beach area that we go to over there on the ocean, I love it so much. Like I would, again, if the, if the job situation worked out, I would want to move there in a heartbeat. Because it reminds me of like Corona of like kind of Shiawassee County. It's right there. It's a more like smaller community. Um, it's almost like, you know, my parents live in Ludington now, up, you know, on Lake Michigan. It kind of reminds me of that. Like a lot of people kind of everyone knows each other, but it's not like tiny. I don't know, like I get a vibe of like, it's much more community based. Um, over there. And I know, man, we're, we're right. going on a huge, we're going on a huge tangent now, but you know, I, I love, I love Charlotte and I love South Charlotte where we live, but it is such uh, it's such a like bustling, it, like so busy right. and people moving from all over the country. And sometimes it just kind of feels hard to like find your spot in the community. You know what I mean? Now that our daughter's getting into school, obviously Ted, you know how that goes once oh, your sure. kids get in school. Yeah. Once your kids get into school, you really find your group, but you know, so so anyway, yeah. That I, that beach town that we go to, I love it because it does kind of remind me of like an Owasso, corona on the
2: ocean. <laughs> you know, I really, I, I really do enjoy when we can get together and do this podcast. You know, we're we're all three friends. Uh, of course, I'm related to Jared, but uh, it, it it's great to catch up and get the different viewpoints, especially coming from our generational thing. And the thing I've been meaning to ask you, you know, Matt, you you got a a baby boy on the way, just about here. This <laughs> this I uh, take it was maybe a, a final fling to the beach until the baby comes. Uh, <laughs> kind of break it down a little bit when you when you go the beach and you got uh, got the five-year-old daughter what what is the game plan what's the itinerary well this one this this weekend
3: was we went, wanted to go to see these uh these kind of like christmas events mm-hmm. so i mean this, this weekend it was like low 70s so i mean wow it was sunny sunny and like 72 all weekend so yeah we you know you walk along the beach and have fun and stuff obviously we weren't going swimming but you know there was like there wasn't th- these are things jared that ted I, again you know this If you decide to get married, Jared, and, you know, you have some kids, these are the kind of events that you're going to look forward to going to. There was this, like, outdoor holiday market, you know, with all these vendors and stuff like that, arts and crafts. We wanted to go check that out. There was a a boat parade. Um, Like, everyone decorated their boats with, like, lights and everything for Christmas. So, you know, we went and saw that. You know, Santa was there and stuff for the kid to see. So so that was kind of the itinerary. It was go walk along the beach. Like you said, Ted kind of – you know kids coming in a few weeks we won't be able to do stuff like this you know for a little bit
1: uh-huh.
3: and uh you know do this do this christmas stuff have some fun you know see see that see that sparkle in your daughter's eye when she sees santa and stuff like that <laughs> and then uh and then get back to the hotel get back on that couch at eight o'clock what's
1: what's it like when you're are you starting to get nervous like three weeks out or I mean just going off of when Claire was born when when what's the cycle of emotions you go through in like the week leading up to it I
3: mean for me because I'm not the one having the kid I'm just (laughs) I'm just I'm kind of along for the ride I mean like you know we've we've been through it once it was six years ago so you know we are kind of like man that, that was a while ago but no man I'm just here for support I'm just here for whatever whatever my wife needs and uh, ready, ready to do what I got to do. Obviously yep. completely different viewpoint from, from the mother's side, who knows they're about to, about to have uh, war, a couple of busy much. days. Yeah. 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 Well, here's so, the, here's... No, it, 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 yeah. Ted, you know, once, once you have that first kid, you kind of, the rest of it feels like it's, you, you just know what you're doing, I guess. I don't
2: know. Yeah. But here's, here's the sitcom question, you know, I mean, I'm thinking back to Dick Van Dyke. I'm thinking back to Ricky Ricardo. I mean, you know, y- your wife, let's say she wakes up at three o'clock in the morning and said, Hey Matt, it's time. I mean, you got your, you got your plan all made. Who's babysitting all that stuff. That's the one thing
3: because again, we we're talking about this whole like moving away or whatever. Um, you know, none of our family's around, you know, a lot of times right. if you live, if you live close to aunts, uncles, parents, sure. you know, you know, you got, you got your like parents or whoever on speed dial. We do have a couple friends who, who told us like, Hey, if something like that happens, you know give us a call my parents are planning they're going to come down like when the due date is Perfect. they're right. going to come down then you know and then so they can watch Claire and you know kind of be around and help out but obviously if, if the kiddo decides to come two weeks early <laughs> I can't be like they're they're 13 hours away it's not like they're going to be here in five
2: minutes so um but no that that's kind of I don't know call some friends and be like hey we need a hand <laughs> hey I got one final question here in our catch-up I'm I'm Really surprised. I wasn't expecting to do a catch-up like this before we got to the game. But <laughs> but uh, here's a grandpa question, guys. And I, it'll be interesting to hear Jared's perspective and Matt's perspective, okay? Uh, <laughs> my wife and I are trying to look at cool ideas for the grandkids and our kids. Our children, you know, for future Christmases. And a couple ideas that came up. We like to go up to Frankenmuth for a family get-together every year. And and the grandkids, they're going to be four starting next year, the older ones, and then the, the baby is going to be two. Uh, I was thinking about one option is to maybe pay for, you know, uh, the motel and experience at the Frankenmuth water park. I don't know if that's too early for a four-year-old, but that was one idea. And then the other idea we're kicking around is, uh, you know, in Owasso, and I know, Matt, this movie is one of your favorites, especially in the holiday season, the Polar Express. Oh, yeah. In Owasso, they have the actual steam engine that the Polar Express is based on, the 1225 and uh, I was thinking about, you know, getting reserved tickets for the grandkids and parents to go on the train ride, you know, from Owasso to Oakley, which has become a mega thing here in December. What do you guys think yeah. about those two ideas?
1: I, here, here's My mom was actually talking to me about this the other day. She was saying how much I would have loved that when, because I, I was kind of saying, like, what the what, big whoop, who gives a shit about this train? Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a huge line that we were all backed up in traffic when I was driving right. the other day from it. And I don't know. I mean, they're four years old. Honestly, if I'm thinking if I'm a four-year-old and I'm on that train, I'm thinking just get me the hell off this thing. They don't know. They don't really understand what they're on. They don't understand what exactly this train is, how it's different from a different train. They probably haven't even seen Polar Express or really even comprehend it entirely, whereas a water park and getting splashed with water and going down a slide, I don't care if you're two years old or you're 50 years old. you love that. No, that's probably the more expensive option, which I know you don't want to hear. Uh, but that's the I would I'm 100% going with the water
2: park.
3: Yeah. the uh,
2: Way Polar in, Matt. Express. Way in.
3: Yeah, the Polar Express train is not cheap, though. It, it might no. be a little cheaper than, than the water park. But no, For first of all, Jared, you're spot on with the water park thing. I think that's that's always a win. If you're going to do something like that, that's always a win. But here comes this generational aspect of our podcast again. Uh, we we took our daughter. They they have basically the same thing uh, in in one of the towns down here up in the mountains in North Carolina, the a Polar Express experience and all that. And we took our daughter. She was four, mm-hmm. and she absolutely loved it. Absolutely well, loved it. And she obviously was at that age where Santa, you know, was all all the buzz. And she we did obviously we read the book and showed her showed her the movie before we went and. She thought she was on the Polar Express, you know. So like, you know, if, if you can get tickets, because I know that sells out pretty
2: quickly. Oh, it does. Um, I, I would, I would highly recommend that. I think that would be really cool. Well, the other thing Jared might not realize is I'm, I'm almost 100% sure Santa rides the train, so he makes an appearance mm-hmm. with the kids, and <laughs> yeah. he's, and he's handing out candy. So I mean, train okay. ride, it, train ride, candy, and Santa. How do you beat that? Yeah, it yeah. probably would be.
1: I mean, here's the way I would look at it. They both sound like pretty awesome days if a kid is not loving it, then that just means they're going to get coal in their stocking. That's, that's all
2: I, that's the way I look at it. <laughs> fair, fair enough. All right, fellas, let's take a quick little break and let's, uh, let's talk big 10 championship from Indy.
0: Kendall drugs and Corona are there for you. They take special care of all patients because they could be your mother, father, sibling, Aunt, uncle, niece, or nephew standing at the counter. Centrally located in the heart of Shiawassee County, right across from the courthouse. No insurance? No problem. Come on in and talk with Patrick Kendall, and he'll be happy to work with you and is very competitive on prices with no gouging. Now taking new patients and prescription transfers. Stop in Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5 p.m. at Kendall Drugs in Corona or give them a call at 989-720-4295. Success Group Mortgage and Servicing is Shiawassee County's only
1: licensed mortgage broker, lender, and servicer. That means you get exclusive products not found anywhere else. If you are looking to purchase a home or refinance a home in Florida, Hawaii, or Michigan, stop what you're doing and give Success Group Mortgage and Servicing a call. 989-720-4380. That's 989-720-4380.
2: All right, guys, I mean, let me just, we we chatted about it a little bit, Matt. You kind of laid it out like I saw it. You know, I was very, very apprehensive and nervous for the Ohio State game, but I really thought Michigan was going to take care of business. I didn't think they were going to just completely dominate them like they did. But when Michigan did go up 14 to nothing after Iowa, you know, missed their first field goal attempt, I, I, I just calmed right down and thought, there's no yeah. way they're going to outscore Michigan at this point. No way with that anemic offense.
3: Yeah, you could tell that their quarterback, Petrus. I mean, coming in, he was a little banged up, and obviously their offense wasn't wasn't even electric at all. There was no electricity <laughs> no. In, in their offense. And you could just tell that, when, like you said, once they went up, Michigan went up 14-0, to it was Michigan just don't lose this game and you're going to be good to go. And, you know, they, they did kind of like the offense had – they started – there a couple drives like inside their five, you know, kind of went three and out. So you were almost starting to feel like, man, is the momentum kind of shifting a little bit. But every time Michigan gave the ball back to Iowa, Iowa couldn't do a thing. Yeah. So it was like, again, it was just like, don't lose this game. And then obviously in, in the locker room at halftime, that's one thing, man, you, you have to, I, I love seeing, I'm, I've got like three thoughts in my head going on right now. I love seeing Jim Harbaugh and his staff finally get their due get credit for how good of coaches they actually are I feel like a lot of people the last four or five years forgot hey Jim Harbaugh is actually a good football coach He just couldn't beat Ohio State which a lot of people couldn't beat Ohio State right but in, in that locker room you could tell Mike McDonald in that defense and they Josh Gaddis you know in the in the offense they made some adjustments and in the second half they basically said all right let's let's quit effing around and let's let's just blow the doors off this team and make a statement so
1: it was just awesome to see. It, it, the, I mean, you said it in the in the catch up portion, Matt. I mean, as soon as we went out, as soon as Roman Wilson crossed the goal line and it was 14 to three, the game was over. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Iowa didn't have a pulse. Let's talk about this now, just to get the elephant out of the room. Something I've been thinking about a lot, really, my entire life ever since the Big Ten Championship has been a game. Uh, can we? Why is the why? Can we get rid of the divisions? I, I was looking at Ant Wright tweeted out the stat where it was the Big Ten East has won every single Big Ten championship other than the very first year, which was Russell Wilson in Wisconsin versus Michigan State, if you remember. Can sure. we just get rid of these divisions? I know that they have the stupid rivalries is why they did it the way they did it. They have the geography you know, portion of it. But flat out, as soon as they made those divisions, we all said, wait, why are the four best programs in the Big Ten all in one side? Because if we're being honest, this game should not have been Michigan versus Iowa. It should have either been Michigan versus Ohio State, which who wouldn't have got their popcorn ready for that one, or Michigan versus Michigan State, which again who wouldn't have got their popcorn ready for that one? I mean, can we fix this broken system? I don't. It's not 1940 anymore. Geography doesn't matter. I mean, it, would it not be the most hyped Michigan Ohio State game ever for the Big Ten if they met in the Big Ten championship game? Like, who who is the loser in this scenario? It's it's the Big Ten championship. That's who is the loser
2: well i'll just jump in uh, it's not a bad idea and i don't like the way the divisions are lined up but let me play well, i guess it's not devil's advocate but let me put the commissioner hat on you okay so what do you how do you change it how do you how do you set it up do you have the first uh, t- the teams that just have the two best records match up in the championship game because i'm going to tell you right now they're not getting rid of the uh, conference championship game no way so, well, so, yeah. So, no. what do you do? All you do.
1: I mean, you just get rid of the divisions and you play the season the same exact way, and you decide who's the head in the rankings the same way we do that now. You know, mm-hmm. you have the same record, you go to head-to-head matchups. If uh, you know, if you, if, if somehow, some way, it's like a three or four-way tie. I guess we we figure it out when that happens. But just like the college football playoff and how people think it's gonna suck every year, guess what? It never happens that way. Two teams always separate themselves in the college football playoff. Four teams always separate themselves. I mean, it's just a joke. You, you, your Big Ten, your conference championship game should not be a 42 to three drubbing. Yeah, especially
3: when you see the the college football, the, the playoff committee almost doesn't give Michigan credit for winning their conference championship game 42 to three hmm. because because it was against Iowa. You know, because yeah, yeah, Iowa was 13 coming in, but it was almost like 13 because they had to be because yeah. they did actually win some games. But you think about it. They, Michigan won the Big Ten championship game forty-two to three. I know Alabama. Whoop, <laughs> I know Alabama whooped up on uh, Georgia. Made an, an impressive win for sure. Oh, for sure. But how does how do they leapfrog Michigan in the rankings when Michigan won their conference championship game forty-two to three? Like because kind of like what you're saying, Jared. Because the committee looked at it and like eh, it, it was over Iowa, so not not as impressive. So I I'd be with you. I I don't know. Change the division. You could you could do something just as simple as move a couple teams. You can keep it yeah. east and east and west. It doesn't have to be geographic. Yeah, like if everyone was still traveling by bus, yeah, you don't want to do that. But you know, these these schools travel by like commercial jet now or whatever. So they yeah. have private plane. You don't you don't need to you don't need to have geographic uh, division. You can keep the rivalries. You know, obviously you always want to have Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, Ohio State play. You can keep that. Kind of rotate some other stuff. You know, it it would be okay. The one thing is, you know, they're talking about obviously expanding the playoff, and one thing that's been discussed, if they do expand, especially to 12 or 16 teams, that they might have to do away with the conference championship weekend because otherwise the, the schedule might go until, like, February or something. Right. So um, that, that's, like, I know that's something that has been discussed with college football playoff expansion. So it, it would be interesting to see. a Part of that, too, the dominance of the, the Big Ten East is just that Ohio State's in the big 10 East and they, they've been dominating the big 10. So I feel like that's part of it too, but you know, you almost like watching that game. It did. Iowa is a strong program. And I mean, they're probably, if they win their bowl, they're going to win 11 games. And their Kirk parents always has them at nine, 10, 11 wins every year. It seems like, you know, they make the big 10 championship game every once in a while. Sometimes they win. Well, I guess they haven't won one, but you know, they, they have won some big tens, you know? So like, it's a strong program, but when you watch that game last night, it was like, yeah, they How are they even in this game? Like you're, you're watching this, and it's like, their their defense was good. They they do yes. have a strong defense, but that offense was like, what what is happening? Like what? What it looked like? It looked like when well, I'm not trying to take a shot, it looked like the end of the D'Antonio era, when all Michigan State fans just hated how vanilla their offense was. You know, at the end of D'Antonio's run. That's kind of what it looked like. It was like, Ferentz, what are you doing? Like, you got to do something here. Hey, but maybe, maybe it's because maybe it's because they they knew Michigan's defense was so good. I don't know.
2: Well, what did you guys <laughs> think about? Uh, uh, and it, it's it's pretty obvious that what Michigan was trying to do at the end, you know, running the uh, the uh, flea flicker and some of the other plays they were running. They were trying to make a message to get that number one. I think, in fact, I saw Harbaugh on a tweet. You could read his lips, and they were trying to get that number one seed. And you know, all three of us. I mean, maybe maybe we all three don't. I know I felt, and I got kind of swayed, and I'm a homer, but I kind of thought since Michigan, you know, won and number one lost, they probably should have slid to that number one spot. Is no. it a, is it a big argument? It, you know, I can live with it, but why why do you say no? No, I mean, dude,
1: come on. One, I saw a graphic that they put up, like top fifty wins. Alabama has nine. Michigan has five. The biggest win, Ohio, uh, Alabama's the biggest win of the season against Georgia. That's bigger than the Ohio State win we had. Uh, like Matt said, I mean, the Big Ten championship game, Iowa doesn't even have a pulse. He, he said about zero electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't give him any points for winning that game, really. Uh, yeah, I think two seed is really the right spot for them to be. I don't know how you can put them over Bama. People give Bama shit, you know, maybe they didn't win pretty or this or that. Guess what? We didn't win pretty a lot of our games. We should have probably lost to Nebraska, if we're being honest. If the ref blows it dead. Uh, I, I just look at that. Alabama has the history. Alabama has the tradition. They have the winning program. They had a great season. They, beat, they had the biggest win of the season. They won the toughest conference. Like in my, word, in my mind, there's no argument to be made for Michigan to be the number one. I just don't see it at all. And as a, and a fan, listen, did we all want to see Alabama and Georgia play again just a few weeks later? I didn't. So I'll also throw that in as just uh, for entertainment value purposes. I'm glad that they were not two and three.
3: That's like the other part of it. If they were going to move Michigan to one, Alabama to two, to your point, you, you wouldn't want to see an Alabama rematch in, in the semifinal. So you would have had to slide Georgia down to four, you know, for losing. So, so they would have to play Michigan. Yeah. And they probably were they probably were like, there's no way we're sliding Georgia down to number four. So that I, I would assume that probably came, came into the discussion. I, I'm fine with Alabama being number one. I think Michigan had a legitimate case to be number one especially because their loss was to Michigan state, you know, obviously probably going to end up a top 10 team and Alabama's one losses to A and M who has four losses. So, you know, you could use that as an argument for Michigan, but you know, whatever, either way, they, this is, it's fun to talk about this. It's fun to debate, argue, you know, whatever. But the big thing is Michigan was two and four last year, two and four and Harbaugh, <laughs> we had no idea. We had quarterbacks transferring out. We had other position, Transferring out, coaches leaving, Harbaugh's taking a pay cut, people are calling for his head. And Michigan just won the Big Ten championship and they're in the playoff. Yes, it's fun to argue about seeding and some other things like that, but to think about where we were last year at this time compared to right now. I don't care if we were playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the first round of the playoff. I'm just Pumped to be in the
2: college yep. football playoff. I I agree with you there, and you know. And one final thing on the on the Michigan not being number one, and I can live with Alabama there too as well. But if you look at the whole scope of the season, okay, Michigan's only blemish was a loss to Michigan State, which we all know, the Wolverines got screwed in that game. Probably should have won that game, but they didn't. Okay, that was their one loss. Alabama had a loss, like you said to AnM. They went four overtimes to auburn and yeah they looked impressive in their last win against georgia but uh michigan i still think had a solid case now bringing up that michigan state that lost to michigan state and jared i know you you tweeted it and you probably saw a whole heck of a lot more tweets and probably text (laughs) about the negative spartans like there's absolutely no love for the wolverines for for all the spartan fans and and just fill us in a little bit about some of the stuff you were dealing with i mean dude it's it's the usual Michigan
1: State bullshit, is what I call it. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing, is it's not like I was attacking them. You know, it's just they they come after us if we're <laughs> if we're happy. They feel the need to try to knock us down. They did not like that the fact that they beat us. Literally had like that game was meaningless, and and it really bothers them. And believe me, it bothered me too. Right. And here's the thing, I'm worried about. Listen, this is painting out to be exactly like the year Michigan won the Sugar Bowl with uh, Brady Hoke, where Michigan State was a lot better of a team that year, but they, they had to play, you know, a lot tougher schedule. They played Alabama in, like, the Capital One. Or uh, they ended up going to the Big Ten Championship game, losing to Wisconsin, and they ended up having to play Alabama in the Capital One Bowl, whereas we got, like, the lucky route somehow, and we went to the Sugar Bowl and played Virginia Tech and won. And we were kind of laughing at Michigan State and had the last laugh. It wouldn't shock me if we lose to Georgia and Michigan State wins their bowl game against Pitt if they have the last lap when this is all said and done. So it's just funny that they keep coming at us. And here's the thing. At the end of the day, yes, I, before this season, I'd always been, you know, Michigan State's our rival, Michigan State's biggest game of the year. But that's because I never tasted an Ohio State victory. Now that I have, <laughs> a Michigan State victory is, is nothing to me. You know, it's, 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 it just means nothing to me to go back real quick to the Michigan coordinators uh I want to touch on them man Mike McDonald John Arbaugh I want to give him a freaking kiss on his cheek man he (laughs) gifted us two absolute dimes in in coordinators and and position coaches wow Mike McDonald we've talked about it Matt you talked about the second half adjustments this guy makes absolutely incredible and gas he was always a question mark to us even midway through this year, we had question marks on Gaddis, uh, but he's really found his groove in the second half of this season, and he was dialing it enough. I mean, he gifted us seven points at the start of that game that swung the entire momentum. That's a that's a Gaddis play call that gave us the easiest seven points you could ever drop with Donovan Edwards throwing that pass. Oh yeah. So Gaddis had one hell of a day, but how about Quorum? quorum redeeming himself as well i had a funny cool little story told to me by a guy i work with his name is andy he was a equipment manager uh at michigan for four years or a video uh, guy excuse me at michigan for four years and he was telling me about quorum and he's like yeah the guy lives in the weight room uh he's like yeah he had to get a planet fitness membership because the michigan weight room isn't, isn't open long enough for him so if you're in ann arbor <laughs> you would see quorum at planet fitness and then he goes the michigan weight room isn't open from 11 p.m to 3 a.m so it's like this guy just lives in the weight room and i'm just so glad that he's able to kind of come back into the mix after being injured and man the most electric play of the season arguably was him on that run and how about mccarthy people give mccarthy a lot of shit because he does kind of look like a frat boy and him walking on the plane saying we're not coming back with the ring this or that here's the thing you tell me who he reminds you of he reminds me of jim harbaugh you talk about a quarterback just embodies Jim Harbaugh. It's it's uh, McCarthy. He weighs maybe 160 pounds soaking wet, but he plays like he's you know the size of Agent Hutchinson, and he's just not scared. And I just love everything about that guy. I was dead wrong about him. If you remember, he tweeted out uh, last remember. year, you know, like we're gonna be we're gonna be just fine or something like that after we lost to Michigan State, and I was like, this guy's a freaking joke. He's gonna be a bust, and I was just I couldn't have been more wrong. Uh, and I'm just so glad to see what he's going to be able to do the next few years when McNamara does finally give over the keys. Uh, and it's just fun. This team is so much fun, man. So much. They're so young. They have so much fun. They are such a good team. They, they are exactly what Bo Beckler would describe as a team that embodies the quote, you know, the team, the team, the team. And I'm just loving to root for them. And heading into this Georgia college football playoff game, I just want them to go out there and compete, have fun, and we'll we'll let the chips fall where they may because it's just been one hell of a season.
3: It is, and we, we talked about it last year when when Harbaugh got the extension. I've talked about it a bunch throughout this season. We all have. Yep. But they, the the players finally bought in. You you are seeing what what Jim Harbaugh can do. I think the 2016 team with Jabril Peppers and all those guys, you know, they were bought in. They they were they were bought in. They were a play away from beating Ohio State and probably going to the playoff. After that 2016 team, you know, yeah, they had a ton of talent, but we all know watching those games that there just wasn't – there definitely wasn't a vibe like there is with this team, you know, with all those other teams, and and you saw the results on the field. This team, they've got the talent, obviously, like J.J. McCarthy, Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson, Coram Haskins, you know, whatever, the whole list of guys. They've got the talent, but they've also added, too, they've completely bought in, and all these interviews, I know you guys have seen, too, with Harbaugh the last week or two, it's basically all he talks about. Uh, like, I saw one that someone asked him, I forget which, which it was, whether it was with Reese Davis or with the Fox crew, I forget which one it was, but someone asked him, like, you know, what about your team? Like, what, what what, do you love about them? And he basically said, like, I've never had to ask them to work. I mean, your your story right there about Blake Corum is exactly that. The dude just wants to lift on his own. And that's what Harbaugh says. Like, I've never had to ask these guys to put in the work. He said, like, it, it, actually, I've had to ask him a couple times to dial it back a little that you might need a rest or you might need to get away from the practice facility or something. And that, and you can see the results. Like you can finally see Harbaugh's a great coach. He needed the players to buy in. And like you said, Jared, and embody that the team, the team, the team. I mean, you see McCarthy doesn't care about coming in for only five or six plays a game. He's cool with that. He'll make his plays when he comes in. Cade McNamara's is fine with McCarthy coming in for a play yep. too. Corm and Haskins are fine sharing carries. You know, Donovan Edwards knows he's a true freshman. He's going to get his time. He gets to throw a touchdown. He gets his carries (laughs) here and there, you know, but he knows next year or the year after it's going to be his job. So, you know, you got all these guys. Ojabo is cool with Hutchinson getting the Heisman talk and everything like that. Like, you know, you think about a dude like Daxton Hill was a five-star. Any other team in the Big Ten, he would probably be all anyone talks about, Daxton Hill. You almost don't really hear about him. He's making plays all over the place. But, you know, he's fine not being, like, in the limelight and stuff like that. He's probably going to be he's probably gonna be a second or third-round draft pick. So, it's just, like, this team has, like, everything that you want. And you see the results on the field. They love playing for each other. They love playing for Harbaugh. They give him the Gatorade bath after the game. You know, they're hugging him. They're punching him in the chest. They're, they're doing all this stuff. It, it's just, it's finally cool after so many years of waiting to watch a football team like this. You know, we're watching John Beeline have success with the basketball team. We're seeing Juwan have success with the basketball team. And we're like, yeah, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I see that, and I'm thinking, like, God, I want to see this with the football team. Like, my God, I want to see the football team, like, finally all buy in. And we're seeing it. And it's it's just super, super cool to see.
2: Do you guys have any feel for – I mean, you laid that all out perfect about how the team came together. But, you know, from last year to now, I mean, was it really a matter of the team leadership – led by Hutchinson and the other seniors getting together and saying, we're not going to put up with this bullshit year again. We're going to be ready to play next year. Or do you think it was some kind of revelation that Harbaugh had, you know, that – he took a deep soul search and changed his way of thinking. And we talked about the fact that he brought in the young assistant coaches yep. that really give them a different feel, different look. I mean, is it a combination of everything just came together in a perfect storm? What do you guys think about that?
1: I think it's one, we had an emergence of two leaders, which is McNamara and then Hutchinson, who was always a leader, but he got hurt, you know, at right. the start of last year. So once you're hurt, you're basically off the team. You're on your own. You're working out on it by yourself. You're never around the team. You don't travel with them. So I think the emergence of those two leaders, I think what you said with the young assistants, I mean, just think of the difference and the amount of fun you would have if you're a player if you have Mike McDonald as your defensive coordinator compared to Don Brown. I mean, that is definitely just a huge change. I mean, we were so dead wrong about Don Brown. I think we finally came around to realizing kind of how idiotic his defensive scheme was by the last year. But no, just the, the emergence of these young assistants, Uh, just a good little senior class led by Agent Hutchinson and Dax Dax Hill and Josh Ross and all those guys. I think it's all those things coming together and, you know, Harbaugh on this whole weight loss journey, you know, I wouldn't surprise me if he's kind of changed a little bit as well. I just, they're all for him and they're they're operating in sync. It's like the old Michigan, you know, basketball teams. We on, you know, when everyone operates in sync, you're a lot better. And that's exactly what Steve's done.
3: Yeah. I think it's spot on by both of you. It's a combination of everything. Obviously. You got to have the talent, you got to have players, you got to have the coaches, you got to have everything. It's a combination of it all. But like you, you think about the last few years, four or five years, a bunch of Michigan guys have gone to the NFL. So there is obviously the talent there and there a bunch of guys are contributing in the NFL from those teams. But they just they're obviously maybe not as bought into the system or, you know, I've, we're, we're seeing now that Don Brown's system on, on defense wasn't wasn't necessarily all it was cracked up to be basically what you said, Jared. So, so yeah, I think it's a combination of everything. And I think, you know, also winning, winning cures a lot too. And when you start winning some games, you get that taste of competing for the big 10 championship now going to the playoff. Yeah. It makes it a lot more fun too. So, you know, it, it's all that stuff. And I honestly think that this team, you know, a lot of people obviously already, uh, Jared, you would probably know, I haven't seen what the opening line is for the game, but, Eight, a lot of people basically is it eight okay so. and, seven and a half yeah yeah that's kind of what i was thinking it would be but obviously a lot of people are, are saying Georgia's is going to walk away with this michigan has no chance their offense isn't going to be able to do anything blah 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 but we, we saw that maybe maybe the Georgia's defense isn't as good as p it's very good but maybe it's not like invincible like some people were making it out to be because alabama just you know, torched them. So Jim Harbaugh and his staff are going to have a month to watch that Alabama tape and other, other game film and see what, what they did to have success against Georgia. This offensive line for Michigan is dominant, so you can rely on those guys like Corum. Other guys are going to have time to get healthy. So I don't know, man. I, I, Michigan has as much, as much of a chance as anyone yeah. to win that game against Georgia. Because you know they're they're playing so well and they're playing for each other. Hundred percent. Yeah, here's agreed. the thing: they're
1: not they're not going to get blown out. I mean, we've we've seen this defense. We have an SEC defensive line. We have the best defensive line probably in the country, if we're being honest, and and that's maybe arguably the most important important position group. They're going to keep us in the game, and we have a decent enough secondary. We have a smart enough defensive coordinator that's not going to be you know in left field like Don Brown was against some of these like higher functioning offenses. Uh, so no, I think we're going to stay in the game. I mean, I think the overrunner is only at like 42. So they're expecting a very low scoring game. I think really the key to this game, it's going to be Gaddis. Gaddis is going to have to dial up a couple of plays like he had against Iowa that are going to, to basically give us some points because we're not going to be able to run the ball that well against uh, Jordan Davis and that Georgia front. So it's going to have to be getting some getting some playmakers in space like Donovan Edwards or uh, Andrew Anthony or Cornelius Johnson and just hoping that they can, you know, make some guys miss and make some plays. We have the speed. We have the athletes to compete with these guys. They're not going to blow us out. I think it's going to come down to who has the closer team, which I think is Michigan and the first, you know, few series of that game. Michigan is such a momentum team. We fuel. That's how mm-hmm. this team has been fueled all year gotta start strong that first possession if we come out and put a touchdown on the board man hammer the wide bet on michigan money line because i don't see us losing if we do that
2: yeah you know and, and you talked about the offense in gattis and you know I, I gotta once again tip my hat to their quarterback you know cade mcnamara i mean they have run two quarterbacks obviously but mcnamara he has just played so solid all season long, and and Gaddis and Harbaugh, the way they have put McCarthy in there, and it looks like now they've settled into maybe a nice little rotation where they put McCarthy in there with Quorum. They don't know if either one of those guys is going to run the ball or McCarthy's going to throw it. I like it when they do that periodically, but uh, as far as McNamara goes, and you know I've been a big booster of his all season long, had a family member, an un- unnamed family member, texted me at halftime and said, it's time to go to McCarthy and my text back was stay the course and that definitely proved to uh, are, to pay off.
1: Are you talking about my pops? My response was dance with the broad that you brought to the dance and <laughs> that's what came back done. Live or die with this guy. He's our leader. I mean, I think the if we ever pulled him, I really do think it would be bad for the team. I think that it would really kind of lower their esteem, even if we maybe need some plays I just really think it would kind of send a negative tone to the rest of the team. Like, man, our leader is really struggling out here. Like, I think you just got to ride or die with them for better or worse, honestly.
3: Yeah. And kind of like what you said, Ted, they've kind of got the, you know, I don't want to say the word perfect, but they've got a very good formula with McCarthy where if, you know, if Cade is kind of struggling or, you know, the offense is getting a little stuck in mud then yeah, bring in, bring in McCarthy for a drive, bring him in for two or three plays, get a little spark and then yeah, then bring Cade back in or something. They, they've got, like, a nice little system going that, you know, both quarterbacks are perfectly fine with, you can tell, and it, it's working. I mean, this offense, I, I don't know, like, this offense with with the kind of exciting play calls, the flea flicker, the halfback pass, and some of the other stuff that they're doing, like, end of a lot to Henning, you know, like, this offense is actually, like, pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, sometimes we still get annoyed with, seems like they just run up the middle a lot with Haskins. But if we're being honest, it, that, it works a lot. So, like, you know, yeah, it, it gets frustrating when it goes like one yard, one yard, and then incomplete pass for uh, three and out. Okay, yeah, that's frustrating. But, like, overall, Haskins has had a pretty good season, so you're going to run him up the
2: middle. Well, absolutely. I mean, you know, Iowa did a pretty good job stopping him uh, overall, but he he did get two more touchdowns. I mean, 20 now for uh, this season, which passes Ron Johnson's record of 19 from 68. I mean, again, how how nice of a season has Haskins had when he's had to step in there and really carry the load? He's a hell of a player.
3: It's wild to think, too, with all those numbers, the first what six or seven games a year, he was like straight up right. splitting carries with Quorum. If he was yep. if he was the guy all season, he would legitimately be in Heisman talks. You would think, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's man, it's just it's hard. It's it's I feel dumb because you know you never know when something could change. And in heading into this Georgia game, we're all so confident, flying high. But there's really not much complaining to be done uh, with anyone regarding this team. The coaches they've handled Haskins and Quorum's like workload perfectly. They brought Quorum back from injury pretty much perfectly uh, it's just I, I i just i feel like i'm a kid on christmas you know i'm just so giddy talking about it <laughs> i feel like i could talk about these guys forever
3: speaking of kid on christmas that's exactly what jim harbaugh looked like
1: after that game oh yeah i
3: mean yeah. i don't know about you guys but i was uh i was uh, about a 12 pack of truly's in so i was feeling <laughs> feeling fe- feeling pretty, oh, yeah. feeling pretty good myself too but watching harbaugh man oh it just made me so happy because jared you've talked about it, how bad we and a lot of Michigan fans have wanted to see him succeed getting that Gatorade bath, getting to hold up that trophy, getting to, he brought his son up to the, yeah. the desk, yep. you know, the Fox post game. I mean, you could just see the dude didn't stop smiling for, he probably still smiling. I mean, I'm still smiling. I mean, like you could just see also you could see like how happy he is the, the monkeys, everything coming off his back. But also like, I just, I can't help but laugh. He's like, so like, he's a kind of a weird dude. <laughs> like, I don't know what you guys think. Like, like you know, the post game interviews and, you know, yeah. I, I don't know, like, like Joel Klatt talking to him at the trophy presentation. Like he's just kind of an awkward guy or whatever, but, but you could just see, man, how happy he was it, it's, it's really cool.
2: Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely a cool situation. You know, I, 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 I don't know about you guys. You were probably locked in watching all the post game. I was at my pops, and uh, you know, when the game was out of reach, there was about four minutes left. We packed up, headed home, and I got to listen to the the closeout with Brandstetter and Deerdorf on the way home, and it was just fantastic. You know, a couple guys that are true Michigan guys that played in the '60s. Yep for Bo Schembeckler and Deerdorf went on to a Hall of Fame NFL career, but it was just just awesome to li- let them describe what was going on in their final you know, Big Ten game, winning the Big Ten championship. They've still got a couple games, hopefully, to go. But it was a cool way to wrap up the night for me, and then when I got home, I was so geeked up you know, and I record every game. I, in fact, I can't I can't delete the Ohio State-Michigan game. I just can't <laughs> do it. But no. <laughs> then I got home, you know, and then I, I put it on right at the four-minute mark when I left my dad's and watched oh all the God. excitement, all the <laughs> presentation. It was just – and, fellas, you know, I've seen great Michigan teams. You really haven't seen that many. I mean, this has got to be the greatest Michigan team you've seen, hasn't it, for both of you? I remember the 97 team. I was – uh, I was like third, 12, 13,
3: mm-hmm. you know, when, when that, so I, I definitely remember that okay. team, but no, I mean, since then, yeah, for sure. I mean, th- this team might go down as maybe next to that 97 team or a couple of the bow teams. It might go down as the best Michigan team ever.
2: Yeah. And the thing that I, so, the thing I've just picked up on all season long, you know, it, it sometimes it takes a few games to really know the players but it didn't take long this year to know who you're going to be watching who are the standouts and how they came together as a true team and and they you know, they, they had the one slip up against Michigan State. It happens, but they didn't let it get them down. They've came from yep. behind in like two or three games, showed what they were made out of. This is just a very, very special bunch, no matter what happens now the rest of the way. Yeah, and
1: the thing I love that Harbaugh said was he's just glad that these guys are never going to be forgotten. You know, their name's going up in, uh, I, don't, I don't I forget the name, Yost Hall or something like that, wherever all their, all their practice facilities are. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, their name's going up on the wall, their picture's going up on the wall. And he was just so happy that that was going down. Uh, but my yeah. favorite moment, probably in all the post-game celebrations, was first guy Harbaugh hugged uh, none other than Ronnie Bell. Who, if you remember, yes. he was holding. Who knows what place. type of season? Who knows what type of season he would have had? I mean, we saw him against Western. It, he was the shining star of mm-hmm. game number one, and his season was cut short. And it's just so cool that he's he's a, he's not only there with them in Indy, but he's he's ecstatic for the entire team. And that was just cool to see those two guys hug. And I just can't wait to see what Ronnie Bell is going to bring us next year. We forget that we got that guy coming back with all this other talent. So although it seems like, you know, this team is special, but guess what, fellas? And, you know, knock on wood, it seems like we're poised for the next four or five years to have some serious good teams.
3: Yeah, especially if, you know, the recruits seeing this stuff, what Michigan's doing, you know, maybe the recruiting picks up a little bit too. So, yeah, it, it feels like Michigan's building something whether they win or lose to Georgia, the big thing is, you know, I, I think we're, we're all in the same boat. We think they're going to give Georgia everything they can handle. And they, and I, I think they have a, a hell of a chance to win that game. I The one thing that would be a little bit of a letdown is if they had a, a Michigan State performance against Alabama, 38-0. to I, I don't think that's going to happen, but, like, I, I really hope it doesn't also because that would make it a little bit like, ah, damn, all right. yeah maybe Maybe we're not quite there. Like, it was cool to get to the playoff, but all right. I don't think that's going to happen,
2: though. I don't think that's going to happen either. And I, I, got one more comment on this game. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a little salt at Sparty. You know, I like Michigan State overall as a university and a sports program. A little bit more in basketball. When it comes to football, no, no way. But uh, the little salt for you next year, Harb coming. I've had enough of it. It's time for Michigan to win. It. We
1: finally have turned to you. After all these years, we finally brought you to the dark side. <laughs> Listen, I tell you what, it's, it's not for the better because it brings a lot of hatred into your soul and a lot of sad nights when they do beat us. But uh, I tell you what, it's invigorating when you win.
3: Especially for you right. guys who still have to see a lot of Spartans fans. Also. Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're the heart of it, man. Uh, <laughs> Let's talk about Michigan State, though. I mean, they have a great season-capping game coming up here against Pittsburgh. Yes. If they can win that game, I mean, you talk about one hell of a season from Mel Tucker and Michigan State, and I say this in all sincerity. I mean, that's a better year than Harbaugh's had up until this point in his entire tenure. So it it's, it shows it speaks volumes. I mean, they maybe got a lucky draw with Pittsburgh, similar to what Brady Oak had, where, you know, he dodged the entire SEC, dodged a lot of the big houses, and played a lo- lackluster ACC team in Virginia Tech. But guess what? trophy looks the same on the wall and I think Michigan State's going to be a favorite in that game and it should be a fun one
3: yeah and what's crazy about that game like a stat to to point to when you're thinking about that game obviously we know Michigan State's pass defense is literally the worst in the country and Pitt Pitt isn't far behind I think Pitts is ranked like 105th in country so Thorne and Pitt Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback uh, Pickett Yep. You might might both throw for three to four hundred yards. Who knows?
2: Yeah, it's I mean be f- it
3: might be, and then you got Kenneth Walker too. So I mean it's kind of like that it might be like a, a forty-two to forty
1: type of game. Yeah,
2: going to be a fun one. I actually was hoping though that they would have matched up with Notre Dame, but uh, we'll take oh, yeah. we'll take Pitt. That
1: would have been cool. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, just the Michigan State Notre Dame. For some reason, whenever those two teams match up, man, it's always a legendary game. You can't quite explain it, but. Mm-hmm. It's just going back to those Brian Kelly and Dan Mark Antonio games. I mean, they're always been great. Yeah, that, w-
3: that would have been a fun uh, bowl game, especially with Notre Dame with their new head coach. It would have been cool to see them kind of turn it on. Ted, I wanted to ask you, though, so, like, when you when you sent your instant reaction video, which yeah. if anyone hasn't seen our instant reaction video, this might be our best one yet. But <laughs> when you sent that, I was like, oh, man, finally. He got he got his dad in on this one. I mean, how how, how cool was it to watch that game with your dad? I mean, 91 years old. He, he remembers a lot of really good Michigan teams too, like you said, but yeah,
2: I mean, yeah, he must've been pumped up for that. Oh yeah. I mean, Jared, Jared can, uh, can talk about my dad, bud. I mean, he's, he's just a classic person to tell you the truth. Yep. And you know, the many, many stories that uh, we've been able to share, you know, I'm 65. I remember when I was young and, and it's, this kind of stems to my love for the Detroit lions that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. But you know, I remember being a young kid, sitting in the basement with the TV, watching Detroit Lions football with my dad. And even to this day, I don't watch every game with him, but I wanted to make sure I was watching this big game with him. And it was it was a blast. You know, he's breaking down things. He's looking at the wide, like when they have three wide receivers, oh, they're going to pass. Well, dad, it's not quite that case you know sometimes they run it out of that formation but he's into it and he loves his wolverines and it, it was really it was really cool to to watch it with him i appreciate you asking yeah that. yeah no i, I mean it, you know maybe i'm
1: biased just an all-time guy <laughs> really is you know about as nice as they come yeah and that's been my entire life about as good of a grandpa as you have and and that's the type of you know we we talk about with the lions all the time you know those people that maybe don't have you know a million years left on this earth I'm glad that, you know, there's a lot of Michigan fans like him that I'm glad they got to experience this before, you know, whatever else happens. It's it's just awesome. And, you know, let's just keep this rolling and let's hope that, hey, let's get him a national championship. Why not?
2: Amen. I was going to tell you one other thing, since we are going to Lions, I can't tell you how many times when I might be watching a game over here, a Michigan game or a Lions game, and he's watching at home and we dial up each other three or four times during the game when there's big plays or something going on. And, you know, those are, those are all-time memories I'm always going to have, so that's, that's very cool right. as well.
3: It is. It uh, is cool.
2: our, all right, well, we'll talk a little Lions, and uh, guess what? They didn't lose. They picked, <laughs> they picked up a win, and that, we definitely have some thoughts on that game, which had quite a bit of stuff to talk about. We'll talk about that next, right after this. Nelson House Funeral Homes' number one goal is to serve the families in our area. The Nelson House staff are proud to serve our local community with reliability, integrity, and compassion. Unique service representing unique lives, ensuring your loved ones receive the honor and celebration they deserve. Founded in 1880 and continuing the tradition today with chapels in Owasso, Chesanine, and New Lothrop. For more details, find them at nelson-house.com or call 989-723-5234. Well, guys, I'm going to start it off saying, okay, Lions won 29-27, an all-time finish, with Golf taking them downfield. But I'm going to stick by my tweet that I don't, yeah. I don't think Dan Campbell's the guy. I just don't. I was going
3: to, wow. I wanted to ask you about that. You all year, we've all been kind of saying, obviously this year was going to be rough. Campbell's got some learning to do, but let's give him a couple of years. Man, when I saw
2: you fire out that tweet, I was like, <laughs> uh-oh, Ted has turned. I have. I've seen enough. Guy doesn't get well, it. He doesn't know how to manage a game. I mean, that's really, it, gotta, it sounds bad, but I just flat out, what the
1: hell? i also, like, you can't make this up. I turn on the Lions game, and the very first play is that fourth and one where they're going for it on their own, like, 28-yard I mean, line. what the hell is going on out here? And it was in the play call was just flat out idiotic. Let's get Jared Goff in, like. A do or die fourth and one throwing situation. How many of those have we had this year where Goff does something totally idiotic? But how about Jared Goff? Say what you will about that guy on that drive, man. He was top Brady. He led sure us all was. the way down the field, money throw right when we needed it the most. And what an embrace uh, between him and Campbell after the game. I mean, I, it was. I'm not gonna lie. I threw my hands in the air and saw in like a victory, like, <laughs> like they, when we scored. I, I was rooting for these guys. I mean, they uh, had they, they continued to battle all year. Yeah. Even and they really haven't quit on their coach. I tell you what, if I'm in that locker room, I'm thinking this guy's an idiot. I would have quit on him five weeks ago. But they haven't quit on him. They keep <laughs> battling. They keep playing hard. They they're fun young team that you know they're just they're trying their best week after week, and that's all you can ask for. Uh, we know they're not very talented. But I tell you what, what a win and what a moment. Worry about firing Campbell next week. Worry about firing him, you know, after the season. Just let him enjoy this win. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I was, uh, we were on our way back from the beach during the Lions game. So I listened to the whole thing on the radio. And Dan Miller, I mean, he he honestly, this isn't uh, Lions slappy fandom coming out. Dan Miller, I think, is one of the best he is. radio play by, one of the best out there. I mean, he is just awesome. Obviously, when he's calling a Lions fan as a Lions fan. He's great to listen to, but he's just incredible in general at his job. But, you know, he was painting the picture really well on the radio. But, like, at, in the like middle of the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, I had to stop because I was I was driving. And I was, like, I told my wife, I was, like, we got to switch because I got to, like, actually listen to this game because I think they might win this thing. And I know, like, I, I want to, like, see what's going on on Twitter. But, like, uh like reading the tweets and, like, if some of my friends were texting me and stuff like that, and I was, like, you know, so I wasn't watching the game, but, I mean, seeing Ted saying that fire Campbell right now, don't even let him coach the second half of this game, and other people were basically saying the same thing. I was like, man, is it really going that bad? Because it sounded like Golf was having a great game in the first half, and, you know, like, things were going pretty well. But I think one thing we know, like, I'm saying all that to say, I think one thing we know, Dan Campbell, like you said, Jared, he's still got the guys motivated, they're still playing hard for him, seeing, like, how happy him and Golf were to win that game. He's got it. I don't know what happened with their offensive coordinator. They've got to find an offensive coordinator. Yes. Like if, if Campbell's going to be the guy going forward, I saw Joe Brady, the Panthers, just like let him go. I don't know. Pay Joe Brady all the money to come and run the offense for the Lions. Find someone because Campbell is great of a, of a motivator, team guy, culture guy, all that kind of stuff as he is. Man, he is not an offensive coordinator.
2: No, he should not be calling the plays. I don't know what went wrong between him and Lynn. I mean, you know, it was it just a was it a panic move or what? But you have got to have an offensive coordinator. You got to bring somebody in that that knows yeah, what they're doing. Nobody, no coach in the
1: league does that. Right? Dan Campbell, first time head coach. First, time, not only is he a first time head coach, he's a first time play caller. Think about that. It's freaking hilarious and it's dumb. And I don't know why he got rid of Anthony Lynn. I don't know why he took over the duties it doesn't seem to work. I mean, if we're being frank about this guy, we don't really need to see much more. If we're being honest, I mean, really, the type of coaching role he should be in is that of, like, Brady Hoke, which is essentially you're just standing there, and you are (laughs) pumping the guys up. I mean, think about That's what you get at. Pumping the guys up, coming off the sidelines, giving them water, uh, giving them high fives, (laughs) motivating them. I mean, you should not have anything to do with the X's and O's and the play calling. Like, it just, I mean, it sounds kind of dumb to say that, but that's probably their best route.
2: Oh, well, maybe he's got, maybe he's g- given himself too much to do, and his head's about ready to explode. Because, you know, I mean, we all played football, guys, and I brought this up before, and it, it, I'm sticking to what I said. I mean, it, unless something drastically changes, okay, let's let's say he can be a Brady Hoke guy. Is there any Brady Hoke head coaches in the NFL or have ever been successful? There's no <laughs> There's no Brady Oak coaches in, in sports period other than Brady Oak. That's right. why he
1: was our shining prince. That's yeah. why we love
2: that. Yeah, but I mean But you
1: can't make it up. No. I mean, I've said it before. He calls the game like I'm playing my Madden like franchise league. Like that fourth and yeah. one. I mean, I, you talk about oh, like he's got too much going on, this or that. At that point in the game, anyone with a brain knows to punt that ball away. It's and
2: NFL. Has, you gotta punt it in the NFL. I mean, you're, yeah. you're just saying your defense sucks, and you're gonna—they're gonna give up the game winner. You know they play too. Uh, I've saw they're a lot of people. Bad. A lot of people weren't that upset with going for it. at your own twenty-eight, up by two points. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, this isn't college football. Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin. Lane right. Kiffin's been going for
3: fourth down all year. Right. Very, very different game. NFL is very different, especially when the Lions are seeking their first win of the year because the play worked out the way that it did, right. you can laugh at it and criticize him. You know, if Goff, like, scrambles for the first down, then it's like, hell yeah, what a play call. But, you know, obviously, it was still a pretty stupid play call. But <laughs> I just, I don't know, man. I, I The roster's so bad, and we, we've, we're we, broken records when we say this stuff. Like, they need so much work. Like, I, do we really think they're going to fire Campbell after this year? Like, I know, Ted, you said that, but. There's no way they fire Campbell after this year,
2: right? Well, I think the I think the comeback by Goff probably saved any of that additional pressure. At least yeah. I guess you know I probably overreacted just a hair when you know, my head was about to explode itself. But this isn't the first game that I've watched. No, yeah. I've watched yeah. you know game management stuff, you know, and even before that fourth down play, I, I think they called a timeout too. I mean, you yeah. know, there's just been so many, yeah, so many you know pro football 101 things that you would think a head coach would would at least have that under his belt and know what's going on. And back to the comment about the players not giving up. Yeah, there's there's probably something to that. There's probably something to that they like Dan Campbell, but they're also professional football players and they can't just yeah. they can't just pack it in or they're going to be out of a job next year. They got to keep putting putting game film together they may not be with the lions next year but they might want to keep their career going you know you just can't completely give up but you know as as media guys we can talk about it and i think i saw a tweet or two it's just a shame that bryce young's not going to be available this year (laughs) because the lions almost ought to just tank another full year so they can get him
3: yeah i'd almost be fine with them basically addressing every other need with this draft they Mm -hmm. have a a a number of draft picks they could actually if they, if they do well in this draft they could start kind of building something but yeah address everything else defensive line you know cornerback linebacker uh skill player you know receiver do all that uh, we can live with golf for another year and then yeah let, let's try and go after Bryce Young you know after next year but you well, know like I, I think one one thing too I, I would just be shocked I, I really I don't think they're gonna fire Dan Campbell that would be like a like, like Holmes and, you know, the management mm-hmm. really happened to like, you know,
1: admit that they were wrong by bringing yeah. in Dan Campbell. If you fire him after one year, he might as well run him back for another year. I mean, yeah. even if it's just for comedic purposes, who, who really gives a <laughs> shit? This team isn't competing for Super Bowl next year. Right. You know, if we want to fire him after next year, that's fine. But I like him. He's rootable that's he's one to know uh, compared to Matt Patricia in my book and Matt Patricia got what three years. <laughs> so let's just keep this guy around who, I mean, I'm fine with
2: it. I'll see how I feel tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no,
1: I don't think he, I think he is not a good coach. I don't but, right.
2: I just leave him around. Yeah. Especially because the roster
3: is so bad. Like you, you try and like, yeah, with the game management stuff going forward on fourth down, a lot of that stuff is like, are, are you even capable of being a head coach in the NFL? <laughs> But then, you know you, I don't know, you try and like take a step back and be like, dude, this team is so bad. But at some point you got to be able to coach. You have to be able to coach.
2: Too. Yeah. And, and the one part of the philosophy going forward, I get also why not, you know, you're 0-10-1. What do you got to lose, right? It's just another game. Yeah. So I, yeah. I get that too. So I'll probably calm down, but they definitely got to get better players without a doubt. All right, yeah. fellas, uh, I think we've covered pretty much anything. Anything else you want to get on the table here?
3: at all and I don't know about yeah obviously Jared and I both do apparently mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't it. know about you guys but uh I, I almost wish that the college football playoff started next week no, I mean I, I no like kidding. that you get a you know maybe a month off is a little too much but you know it's nice to get the guys healthy build a game plan Michigan's playing so well right now and Georgia coming off that loss to Bama, I almost wish the game was next week I'd feel way yeah. more I'd feel super confident if it was next weekend
1: yeah, I mean, I'm glad we're not playing Alabama, and I know that if we somehow win this national championship game, we're gonna have Alabama on a lot shorter uh, time frame than Cincinnati will. I mean, you're talking about a death death wish. <laughs> Giving Nick Saban a week or uh, a whole month to prepare for you, <laughs> you might as well just uh, give Alabama the championship uh, game appearance now. Uh, but no, I'm I'm in like DEFCON five because. I volunteer, I'm not like a big New Year's Eve guy, I've, you know, I got a girlfriend, I've, I've been there, done that, never really have, like, loved that holiday, other people, you know, get their rocks off to it, so, so I volunteered <laughs> to work, and all of a sudden, I realized, oh, shit, that game is on <laughs> New Year's Eve, and so, yeah, I'm in, like, DEFCON 5, I, I don't really know what to do, uh, it's just, it's just not looking good. Oh, boy. Yeah,
3: uh, apparently, you and me both, because baby watch like very well could be new year's eve so my wife when i told my wife when they're playing she immediately looked at me and was like we're probably going to be in the hospital i was like well we're making sure our room has a tv then (laughs)
2: well i hate to tell you boys but the popcorn's gonna be popping over here and i am gonna be geared up for an old man type of new year's eve tv and uh watch the ball drop after michigan wins that eight o'clock game and gets ready for the national championship january 10th and i you know i i do agree with the fact that it'd be nice to play him a lot sooner than we are but it's going to be Kind of nice that we get to bask in the glow for you know three or four weeks here and oh yeah you know, oh, just the watch, watch the rest of
3: these watch the rest of these trash bowl games knowing <laughs> right. that Michigan's in the college football playoff yeah, yeah.
2: uh-huh right,
1: well, I mean you know what can we just agree how dumb it is to have these games on New Year's Eve I know the very first college football playoff I remember we all remember like the jingle this New Year's Eve <laughs> like with Jimmy Kimmel and that whole commercial. Yeah. But can we agree that this sucks? Like put it on a, put it on the Saturday after New Year's Day. like maybe the worst Saturday of the entire year. Like let's give that a little action choose. New Year's Eve is already an awesome day. We don't need it to also have the college football playoff going on at the same time.
2: Well, I'm gonna tell this is where the generational thing's definitely gonna jump in. I mean, I think it's I love it. Are you kidding me? I don't I don't go out and party at the bars or anything anymore on New Year's Eve. This is a perfect New Year's Eve for me.
3: Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. It's already – people are either, like, at home having a gathering with friends or maybe they're going to a bar, so the game's going to be on at a bar. So, I kind of get it. And, obviously, there's the whole, like, New Year's Day. There's the tradition tradition right. of all those games. So, they don't want to mess with, the you know, all, the, all those games on New Year's Day. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of – imagine that. I'm down the middle on it. I don't <laughs> mind it. But it is kind of weird, like, if you do have New Year's plans and, like, this year Michigan's playing – you are kind of like crap. I gotta like, I gotta schedule my, you know, whatever I'm doing around this game. So, it it does feel kind of odd, but you know, whatever, man. I'm I'm just happy they're playing. Yeah,
2: absolutely. But I, I,
3: real quick, I know we're about to sign off. We didn't really talk about Cincinnati, Jared. You brought it up. Did did, did any of us think Cincinnati has any shot against Alabama? Puncher's chance at all? I
1: man, I it's, it's you I mean, like I said, death wish against Nick Saban. I really hope they do. I mean, what a story it would be if they somehow somehow won this game. But man, I just I just don't see it. I really just don't see it. I'm sorry.
2: Yeah, I mean, you could say a puncher's chance, and I think probably early on they'll 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 stick with them first quarter for a while. But I just think Alabama's strength and uh, you know coaching and everything else that goes with that program they're they're going to wear them down. I don't know what the spread is right at the moment, but I would guess it'd be at least uh, 14 points. Yeah. yeah 14 yep. and a
1: half was the opening line. I mean that's going to probably be up to 17 by probably. game time.
2: Probably. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm with you. Well, uh Hey, another fun podcast, fellas. Uh, it's always great when we can talk about a big Michigan win, for sure. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we, we get to talk about it for about three more weeks. So don't forget to follow us at 3 Point Pod. Make sure you let our partners know you listen in and enjoy the show. They include Advanced Elevator, the ALS Association, Kendall Drugs and Corona, Rivals Taphouse and Grill, Nelson House Funeral Homes, Sharon and Auction Service, Success Group Mortgage and Servicing, and Z92.5 The Castle. Speaking of high school sports. We're going to be live on the radio on Z92.5 this coming Friday, December 10th for the hoop opener as the Hazlitt Vikings travel to St. John's to take on the Red Wings. And uh, if you want to see our entire regular season schedule, go to the Z92.5 website for the entire season schedule. Until next time for Jared Fattel and Matt Burns, I'm Ted Fattel saying so long, everybody, and go blue.